Three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Have We Made It Yet podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, the comedian portion, Mr. Josh Young, and I'm going with my co-host, the actor known as Lucas Ng. Thank oh, you. wait, no, wait. I was supposed to throw it to you and then you say, I totally just introed you uh, regardlessly. Um, but yeah, so welcome to uh, the podcast. We're basically two creatives starting their journey on the process of making it uh, in comedy or in acting. And we thought we'd start this podcast just to give a little insight into the process, the ups and downs, uh, trials and tribulations of trying to make it whatever that means uh, to each and individual person. Uh, so yeah, that's the premise of the podcast. And we like to have guests on. And today we have a great guest uh, that uh, Lucas has uh, an interesting, a good connection with. Uh, so yeah, without further ado, let's go to the first question of our podcast that we like to ask each other uh, as co-hosts, as the ones who've who are trying to also make it lucas have you made it yet josh that was such a roundabout way <laughs> to was ask it? that question <laughs> was it was it roundabout it might have been it felt like it but anyways you know no no we're, we're back on the horse we're back on the horse um no i have not made it yet but and i know i say this a lot maybe 70 plus times worth uh i feel like i'm in the right place right now um in addition to my acting stuff, uh, I'm getting good job offers for my nine to five job, which is also in the film industry. And I was just telling Josh before, you know, like um, I'm, I'm getting like a, a pretty big title bump. I'm, I'll be able to earn a little bit more money to, to fund this whole acting endeavor. Uh, now, the next struggle, as I had mentioned to Josh, is going to be how to handle more responsibilities. Mm-hmm plus balancing uh, acting as that craft is unpredictable in terms of how you will book jobs, when you will book jobs and all that stuff. So that will be another lesson for me to learn. Uh, One thing that I have been recently meditating on is that whole instance of uh, the the more successful, the, the more successful you are in life is how you are able to adapt to instability and, uh, I am learning to let go of things a lot easier now. So hopefully with that new mantra that I can adapt to it as it comes. So that's my whole thing. And plus Vancouver, just the quality of auditions are a lot, a lot better. I, I do really? have to say. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. in like in person or um, taped, self-tape? Uh, still all self-tape, but just like the, um, the productions that are happening here. It's a, uh, it's it's getting up there it's getting up there so so i mean like i don't want to compare too much because i'm only in this city for like what's it three months now but hopefully hopefully i made the right choice yeah we'll see mr josh young have you made it yet i have not made it yet uh though the last week last weekend i did do two shows i was able to get two shows one friday one sunday the friday one was great you know, did seven minutes. It was very tight. Uh, it was got good response. And then Sunday night, I did 15 minutes on a show. Ooh. Yes. And it was an absolute bomb. It was be- like a big, beautiful mushroom cloud of bombing and silence. 
Yeah, it was great. It was it was great because I mean, I did it at the end of the show, which already had like four or five other comedians that also did 15 minutes. So it was like good experience to realize that dynamics of of long shows and like how the shows are set up. Uh, because like towards the end, I think everybody was also there. There is a thing as too much comedy, like you, mm. like an audience has to be like kind of like engaged, you know, um, throughout even like a long show. So I've realized like long shows with more comedians doing like seven minute, seven eight minute sets is actually has a good rhythm going because mm-hmm. then you can get like jokes, a good. Like if you got a good set followed by another good set followed by another good set, then the audience is like fully engaged. But then sometimes like with 15 minute sets, you know, you take your time, you slow your pace down. Um, Comedian styles are like a little bit different as well. So I think I realized is like, man, once it got to me and I was doing some of my like tried and true jokes that like work all the time um, just to get into it. And then I move on to other material like those are getting nothing. Oof. And it was like, yeah, it was like empty silence. It was the, it was one of the first few times where it's like, I could feel the silence. So it threw me off a little bit. So I was like, oh man, what's happening? So I kind of like broke my, you know, almost like monotone persona on stage and was a little wow. bit more, more loose and, and like just talking just spewing random stuff out of my mouth, but then yeah. like, trying to get back on track with I, what I what I had prepared. But either way, it was like some of most of the jokes didn't get an audible laugh, but mm-hmm. I could kind of see some some of the audience members like smiling. It's like, oh, they're listening to the jokes. Okay, okay, sure. But it was like not getting really any kind of laughing responses. And yeah. at that point, it's like, okay, it seems like the audience is kind of taken out of it a bit. Um, it's pretty late so it was like that could be an element to it uh because i knew the jokes that i'd tried like over and over and over again and always usually get to laugh or a response weren't getting anything it's like okay maybe it's not necessarily me but uh it was good to be thrown in that situation because i don't think i was uh in that kind of just like blank stares at me uh yeah. experience so it was good experience to have <laughs> um yeah, it taught me some stuff. Failing helps teach you experiences, and uh, you learn more from failures sometimes uh, than than you do from success. So it was good. It was a good experience. And then I just uh, have another show coming up uh, later this week. No, last week when this airs. So you know, <laughs> a couple shows here and there. But uh, nope, haven't made it yet. But maybe it feels like I'm a little bit. One step back is equals to two steps forward, that kind of thing. Nice. Yeah. Dude, I uh, I wish I was there, man. No, you don't. It okay, was, well. It was brutal. <laughs> Not only that, I brought like six, seven people, which was like almost a third or half the audience. And by the time it came to me, I was just dying. And they didn't stage. laugh? Well, they didn't. Well, some of them laugh because they've already heard some of the jokes before. Some of the yeah. new stuff, I got a, a couple chuckles out, but it was like at that point, like I don't, I don't blame anybody. It's it was like a long, long ass uh, show. So right, it was interesting. It's definitely interesting. Okay. Well, here we're not gonna bomb this one. Okay, yeah. we do have a third panel today, Josh. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. 
Okay, so a lot, like a lot of our guests on this show, I have not yet had the privilege of physically meeting our next guest, but that hasn't stopped us from collaborating. I was introduced to him as I applied to be in his proof of concept slash trailer for his recently finished series, Streams Flow From A River, a series written, created, and directed by him, which we'll go into more detail later tonight. I had the opportunity to chat with him as I was drawn to the project and the themes of the immigrant story, generational trauma, communication struggles that I identified with. Our conversation opened up so many parts of myself that I felt I hadn't fully addressed within myself. It truly felt like a chat with a longtime friend, and I think that's what separates our next guest from so many others. His care in his words, his kindness, grace, and acceptance for who I was truly allowed me to open up, and for that, I'm eternally grateful. He's been mentioned in playbacks 10 to watch and most recently participated in Banff Media Festival's Diversity of Voices pitch program. His most recent work, the series, Streams Flow From a River, had recently received Bell Media funding. And if the trailer of the series is any indication, it will be incredible when it comes out in its entirety. He's truly an artist's artist. Please give it up for Christopher Yip. Oh my God, come on, Lucas, that's, that's too much. It's like, you know, Asians who can't deal with compliments. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, that was, it was like, uh, it's like having your parents actually say I love you. It's like, oh my God, what the fuck? What's happening? But uh, we love uh, you, Chris. Oh, well, well, I mean, you ask me the question and then I'll tell you how things are going. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's prepared. He's yeah. seen the show. He's seen the show. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Awesome. As we start off with every episode, Chris, have you made it yet? Uh, I'd say give me two years. Not yet, but give me two years. I think, um, you know, Josh and Lucas, you guys are in the entertainment industry in Canada. You know, everything moves as slow as molasses. Um, I think that's the same with where I am, too. Uh, you know, we have less money. We have less population. It's just like not la or anything like that but um i think i'm on my way like um the series which just finished we're still like editing it and and you know it's it's due at the end of the summer but um it's looking good and it's nice to be on the other side of shooting it uh 15 day shoot um which was very intense and many trials and tribulations but uh it's it's yeah on the way there and there's some other things i'm working on but um yeah, this shit is hard. Like, it's really, it'll, it really, you know, on top of like not really seeing people like yourself in the industry, not really having role models who look like you. Um, it can just, it's just, uh, it's like a war of attrition. It's like, it's a marathon, not a sprint, that sort of thing, right? So you really have to take care of your mental health and shout out to my therapist and uh, everybody, every artist needs therapy. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm in it for the long haul, but uh, I have not yet made it yet. Give me two more years. Yeah. Wow. So we have a timeline. So come <laughs> June 20th, 2024. Yes. Okay. Um, j just to also like expand on that idea though, what would be your it in making it? Yeah, I think I've been working on a feature film for a long time. It's kind of like what the story that I wished I saw as a kid. And also I think like when I decided to throw in everything in the film industry, Mm -hmm. um, I was just tired of seeing like really the same stories over and over again. And also stories that didn't feature anyone who looked like me mm -hmm. or us. 
Um, and uh, yeah, like, so Fish Boy is the story that um, my partner at the time, you know, I was like, oh, I've, I've had this life-changing epiphany. I'm going to go into film. And she was like, okay, where's your script? And I was like, oh, shit. So then, you know, I, I worked on it and wrote it. And, and it was nice. It was, it's, you know, slightly autobiographical, but a big part of it is like, you know, it's based on my growing up in a very Chinese and very Christian household and um, kind of feeling really like I didn't belong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of kids grow, uh, grow up feeling that, like that. I mean, maybe you guys did too, because, yeah. um, you know, identity stuff, being having a foot in your Asian identity and like, you know, Canadian identity and growing up in that kind of, uh, you know, environment and then feeling like torn between the two and blah, blah, blah. But um, I think that's why it's so encouraging. You know, we've seen a lot more Asian-centered projects lately. Mm-hmm. Turning Red, so good. Um, Everything Everywhere, so good. Um, it's just nice that um, our stories are finally seen as like good enough or like, oh, like everybody's interested in this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like um, you touched on it just now too but I, I was just reading in a playback article where um you had said you wanted to be like a good immigrant kid b- before you went into film like being mm. a a doctor a lawyer engineer type of stuff and everything can you go into a little bit more detail about that internal clash that you had between like what you had actually aspired to be but also that internal clash within you of of managing expectations from your immigrant upbringing mm, yeah it was pretty you know i grew up the eldest of three boys and uh like a lot of kids in general, you just really, you, you really want your parents' approval when you're growing up. Cause it's like, these are the people who love me the best. And I just want to give up some of that love back. Um, yeah. But I think the older I got and the more like creative stuff I did and the more and more my grades in math and science were like, trash <laughs> like my parents were just like what are you doing like what's wrong with you and I was like I have no idea I really like I wrote the LSAT twice I really went hard for it didn't yeah. like no affinity like I was just really bad but I was pretty good at writing and like English um and it was you know I was, had a pretty lonely childhood went to the library a lot um played lots of video games and anime and movies and stuff um but I think that helped me be a good storyteller um yeah, it was just hard because like many, many, many immigrant parents, they're just like, what are you going to do with this though? Like, I know. how are you going to turn it into security, job security for yourself and for your kids in the future? So, yeah, I think that was an impasse that we reached. And it is it is hard to kind of like grow out of your parents' household. It's, mm-hmm. it's painful like to kind of like build healthy boundaries. Um, but also it's no way to live for other people, right? That's yeah. a pretty sad life to live. Yeah. And and you had also mentioned this other thing too. Um, I saw that you were at the Future of Film Showcase yesterday, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, I, I had already wrote this question up, but you had already reposted it on your story on Instagram. You said uh, back in Japan, because you've had many mm-hmm. travels throughout your whole life. You studied in University of Alberta, University of Saskatchewan. You also taught English in Japan there too. And you had mentioned that was like your midlife crisis at the same time. Yeah. Um, but also that was quarter the moment. Life. I'm not that old. So. <laughs> quarter life. Quarter <laughs> life. Like, my back. Well, unless, well, uh, with COVID, maybe all of our life expectancy is like 45. Who knows? Oh my Who God, knows? Chris. Oh like, my God. Yeah, Josh, like 
Toronto's like it's it's people are out like people are just like out and about I mean it's good because like you know you're doing shows and you're able to like with like like stand up and stuff it's so hard during the pandemic right but mm-hmm. um, I don't know about you but uh, yeah there's like an energy in the air now that COVID is kind of settling down it's like guys yeah. let's make out for lost time and like let's get out well especially for toronto because like we had the worst in north america Mm -hmm. we had the i think i remember Mm -hmm. seeing an article somewhere saying that like in terms of restrictions and lockdowns and going back on lockdowns total days or whatever toronto Mm -hmm. had the worst out of all like major cities in north america and then mix that in with with the winter it's like come on what if it's just like just it's it's year it's just annual not seasonal affected the disorders like annual affective uh, disorder at a certain yeah, point sure. for the last couple of years so yeah it's it's nice to see the city come back alive uh a lot more bars are open shows now i mean all mask restrictions have been lifted recently right so which is still uh, weird but <laughs> <laughs> yeah at a certain point right now it's kind of like life is just moving on because it's it's interesting uh when it comes to international or like big health policy or whatever turns out if everybody's just annoyed by it enough they'll just move on yeah (laughs) that's just just the policy now is just we'll just see how hogs and capitalism have to go again then it's like don't worry about it it's fine and it's like damn okay i guess we're all over covid it's crazy like yeah going on the train and like just out and about like and people are just like no no mass it's like cool I think what like it's just crazy. I I got COVID like um, just like three weeks ago after the shoot after shooting the series, which is like perfect time, right? So like nice. fifteen days of like super intense shoot. Uh-huh. My body's already like yeah, basically the shoot served my body up on a platter to COVID. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to be out for a few days, but then with COVID on top of that, I was like, oh, I'm dead. It was bad. Like it was like a week and a half, and I was like out. Um, but uh, are you guys, have you guys, you're still like full negative? Oh, no, no. I, I got it literally I like two weeks after um, arriving in Vancouver. And it, it just what? sucks, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I got, I got a couple months ago, a couple months ago. Yeah. And then yeah. there, there was like a period afterwards where it feels like, yeah, you do have a bit of like a brain fog or like your head's yeah. not fully there. I feel like mm-hmm. it's gotten better the last few, uh, last month or so it's like it's mm-hmm. been a, it's been a few months um but i mean at, at this stage is like it doesn't matter how many cases go up anymore as long as like you know we're all pretty much uh immunized and there's yeah. like treatments now for it afterwards and as long as hospitals don't get overrun i think that's yeah that's just it that's just the main thing as long as hospitals yeah. and not everybody's going to be as as fucked up uh by it then we're good to change it from pandemic to endemic to like it's a it's 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 like the influenza or the flu now it's just every it's just part of our lives i hope so i hope so like part of me is nervous about yeah the energy that we have about like yeah people are, who are like oh let's just go back to the way things where it's like not like it's never it's like it's like that tweet that was like uh you know they they watch the avengers movies like the marvel movies and they're like wow people were snapped away for two years and nobody's gonna look at this like international trauma yeah. that's crazy and then it's like real life it's like oh shit like that's like, what we're doing right now you can't go back to the way things were but i i at least there's a lot more hope right so it's like yeah like COVID isn't 
maybe life-threatening. There's like, mm-hmm. you know, you get some rest, herd immunity, that sort of thing. And it's nice for, I think, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm curious about, yeah, you, Lucas, and Josh, like, have you felt in your industries that things are opening up again, that you have more opportunities because like this summer compared to last summer or maybe just a few months ago? Yeah, I mean, I definitely do feel if that like productions are like opening up a lot more, but at the same time, like um, what, what you just said about the, uh, the shared changes that we all go through as an industry, even after COVID, I am so grateful for self tapes, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. Like just the fact that I get to like do what I do in my own home, I have a, like a big backdrop right over there, right behind me. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I can like do my nine to five, send in my self tape after. And if I really do book a gig, then take a vacation day. It's just the mm-hmm. flexibility that has now afforded me the opportunity to also make money and also fulfill my own craft too. So it's yeah. just good, good stuff, man. Yeah. 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 And definitely shows. I mean, that was the main thing. Uh, it's interesting. After I started doing comedy, I'd done it for like maybe seven, eight months before the pandemic started. And it yeah. was like, I was really happy discovering this new thing and being able to go and do shows. And then it's like, nothing's going to stop me. And then it's like, what, 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 what can oh, stop man. me really? You know? <laughs> and it's like the one thing that can stop comedy. Cause like even through the, the market crash of 08 or like, you know, recessions or the economy's bad, yeah. it's like bars are still open. People can still go listen to comedy. People can still make jokes about it. It's the mm-hmm. one thing, a global international pandemic that shut down society for, for good it's like what oh well that sucks <laughs> that's terrible timing but now that you know i mean things were periodically open throughout the last few years and some people were like doing um kind of not so uh like not not like yeah official but not so shows official, and stuff yeah. it's yeah, just at like, people's Ooh. homes it's like oh is this the limit whatever so uh i i managed to do just a couple shows that were more outdoor in the park those type of yeah. things but didn't really get back into it until like this summer where everything feels much more normal and everybody feels more comfortable doing, uh, mm-hmm. going out as well. So, yeah. yeah. I wonder if like our careers will accelerate closer to make it status because things are opening up, you know, mm-hmm. fingers crossed, knock on wood. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, yeah, Lucas, when we met last year, I was in a dark place. Like, you know, I was working oh. on the teaser and, and, and prepping for that. But yeah, it was, uh, it was hard. Like, yeah, oh. like, it was super bleak, you know, just mm-hmm. like world-wise. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was harder to, as a creative, like harder to, uh, I was lucky to be in some writer's rooms for like kids TV because the kids TV um, industry is very healthy in Canada. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what I really want to do, which is like, write and direct you know asian focused stories live action mm-hmm. how can you do that when there's a pandemic and like especially if you're yeah you're working with an indie budget you don't have like you know netflix money to throw out masks or or uh covid um precautions and yeah, PPE yeah, yeah. and stuff like that yeah so it was it was pretty tough last year and um i'm grateful that mm-hmm. things have changed so much now but uh yeah it's it's funny you mentioned that because that was one of the key takeaways that that i had when i first met with you was that Mm -hmm. things were not bleak you you had such a hopeful spirit within it Mm -hmm. that i i didn't catch that dark spell that potentially you were under 
Mm-hmm. Um, can can you talk a bit more about how you came out of that? Uh, I don't know if I know, but uh, <laughs> maybe I'll, I think like last year was just um, well, yeah, it was a lot of shit. Like um, like the big one was all the anti Asian hate shit going on, and yeah. then um, the Atlanta shootings happened, and then I had my own run in with fucking anti Asian hate in downtown Toronto. I was buying groceries, and some white lady was just like fucking Asians and I was like it was crazy like what mm-hmm. downtown Toronto like I grew up in Edmonton right like mm-hmm. I know Edmonton's bad I know Alberta's bad I don't know if you guys know Alberta is the last province with uh with uh official KKK cap- uh, chapter in Canada so oh. it's done now but like yeah a little bit of uh, Albertan history mm-hmm. but um like downtown Toronto like young and Dundas just like right in the center and i was like god damn and uh, yeah like there was some family stuff too like um you know a few months before that there was an outbreak of covid at my grandpa's um uh, elderly home when he passed away oh, along sorry. with a lot of other yeah along with a lot of other loyal god like elderly mm-hmm. and stuff and um this is like before vaccines and that sort of thing and uh you know my father being the this was a big inspiration for the series which is all about the things that are passed down from generation to generation but also very much about how our parents understandably to deal with trauma they don't tell us shit like they just hold it in they carry so much and then they try to protect us from this kind of stuff but we know them we like we, we we figure out that our parents are carrying a lot and it trickles down to us anyways um, but I think seeing how my father dealt with, yeah, yeah, like my grandpa's passing, he came home from seeing Yeye at the hospital and like, he couldn't even hold his hand, right. Cause of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like showered, changed his clothes and sat down to zoom with us. And my, Abba this is like a typical stoic Asian dad. And he, you know, he was just telling us, he was like, I said, goodbye. And, and I was the first one who cried, right? Like I was the one who cried and then he cried. And I think it's, um, you know, it's a very Asian thing, very masculine thing. Um, but with that going hand in hand with elderly being attacked on the street, right? Or yeah. a lot of elderly facing so much vitriol for fucking nothing. Um, yeah. It's just so crazy that like, if you don't, it, it's just in, insane to think of like seeing someone who looks like your grandparent on the street and like yeah. seeing them as like you know i need to hurt this person um uh, because you know when you're walking through chinatown and you know our, our elderly can be very spicy very intense but, uh, but you know it's like seeing them walk around and stuff it's like yeah that's like so cute mm-hmm. um yeah long answer but uh a lot of stuff was happening last year yeah um and i think that the shootings in particular, it was really hard to pull myself out of that. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I'll say it wasn't like this beautiful, you know, sometimes like I turn my, I, I like fucking avatar airbended my grief into creativity. No, it was, it was a very painful, like depressive yeah. uh, season of my life. But I think through support of loved ones and, uh, and therapy, which helped a lot, um, you know, emerging a little bit 
um, try to focus on, on, uh, yeah, taking care of myself in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of funny how how this series idea came to be. Then just because mm-hmm. COVID, I, I felt, of course, no one could predict COVID, but it almost felt like a a major catalyst for. No, I wouldn't say catalyst, but at the same time, it's it blends in well with the themes of streams and and the isolation mm-hmm. of COVID, which did bring everyone together, like how your premise is everyone's trapped because of a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Um, have you incorporated themes of of the loneliness or the themes that you have of COVID into that story? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, like I was saying, the, it's very much our parents and our elderly who are facing difficult times. Mm-hmm. And even for, for example, like there are the GoFundMes for elderly who are attacked. Um, and in the GoFundMe, it's like, I'm the grandchild of this person. They didn't want to make a fuss. They didn't want to raise any money. They actually are going to donate all their money. And it's just like a 76 year old Asian lady, right? Like, um, but it's something, you know, they can face this kind of racism and violence, but they won't say anything. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I just wanted to create a space where, you know, our parents could just open up a little bit or feel like they don't have to care or like keep things in or hold things in all the time. So definitely COVID touched on that, especially because, you know, people aren't um, near their families. Like sometimes, yeah, like I only saw my parents, I flew back to Edmonton last Christmas um, which was, uh, of course, super nerve-wracking because Alberta has very different uh, COVID policies than Toronto. Right. But um, uh, yeah, I went to my cousin's wedding and there were like 200 people in it in some restaurant. And I was like, well, it's crazy. <laughs> <Like, it's great." laughs> but, uh, but I think, yeah, like in that time of separation and isolation, um, it was trying to think of like, what does the community need? What kind of like do I want to see the stories that I want to see right now um and I took a lot of inspiration from like Asian movies that I watched Mm. from like Taiwan or Japan um and just like very like family dramas that uh had complicated families like who were family members were split apart but you know they went through something together and maybe grew a little closer but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, I th- I think it's uh it's definitely reflective of how not only just say our specific experience over the last few years relating to like Asian immigrant families or just mm-hmm. the immigrant experiences. It seems like everybody in the world had like a in a period of time where it's like suddenly everything stopped, like you suddenly now have more space to think about shit about your life and like where you are and then now we're seeing huge changes in people's life decisions or life choices and realizing it's like, why am I still doing the same thing that I did before the pandemic? And now after the pandemic, everybody's like coming out of it kind Mm. of. Um, I'm wondering then in terms of like, say like your next project you said um, was fish boy. And then Mm. maybe like even the next project moving forward, do you feel like continuing on a theme of, of like more hope or like more reflection or like moving forward? Is there, a, do you feel like there's now a, a thematic journey moving forward that you want to tap into? I think um, it depends on the project. I think, you know, streams is very much, it's like six episodes. It might be five, it might be six, but 
each of the episodes takes a perspective of a different character mm. in particular like it takes since our parents won't tell us about their like you know you'll hear stories from your aunts and uncles about like whoa your dad or whatever back in the day he used to and it's like i did not know that like he tells me nothing but yeah. like you know there's the dad episode where we follow him and his you know in his youthful heyday when he first moved to canada and mom episode where she kind of like you know develops feelings for someone not exactly not exactly romantic but like after years of a dry marriage kind of like finds a human connection in someone else um and so because it's kind of like taking all these perspectives and is building towards like a family kind of resolution that one is more hopeful i think yeah mm-hmm. that one is more for the times but for fish boy i don't know if it's hmm, like because it's a queer story i don't want to sugarcoat it like i don't want to be like and you know the Asian parents fling open their arms and accept their child like right. wholeheartedly because that shit takes yeah. time, right? Um, but also, I don't. It doesn't have to be like trauma porn either. So, um, I think it it it's it depends on each project. But I do want to always keep in mind um, the needs of the community, similar mm-hmm. to things like Turning Red and and Everything Everywhere, and um, just so much empathy, right? And I think that's definitely what we need right now. Um, even though generations and a lot of like old wounds can separate us, um, it inspires conversations between family members today, right? Like, you know, moms talking to their daughters after seeing Turning Red. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's, it's good to keep the community in mind when you're making stuff. It's true though, because just because like even last week, Josh and I had an episode where we just talked about everything everywhere all at once and just the internal themes within that and the themes within the themes, it was just, that, that's a great way to put it. It's what does your community need at that given point and how can you bring it to them? Um, on, on that question though, like uh, what does streams mean to you? Hmm. I think... Um... Well, for me, it's career-wise, it's it's all very exciting because it's my first like feature-length thing. So mm-hmm. I've only done shorts, um, and I've only been on set like a few days at a time. But this one was like a fifteen-day marathon, yeah. like I said before. And like I started going to the gym like in the winter to prepare for it because um, after we shot the teaser, which was like one day, I was like, "Oh man, I'm out of shape. Like I'm, I'm gonna have to like I have to do some cardio." Uh, and and it was. It was true, like it, it was a lot of work, but um, so career-wise, it's a lot of fun because um, the Canadian industry is extremely risk-averse. They, mm-hmm. yeah, because we have less money, because we're smaller, they want to put invest their money on like surefire wins. Nobody's a surefire win. Like that's you never right. Like, and and artists shouldn't have to worry about like you know making money back to tell stories and that sort of thing but because there's less opportunities that's what uh you know arts council funds and networks try to bank on um and because of that i think showing that i can do a feature like thing showing that putting this on my cv like i did that like i directed the whole thing like i show ran the whole series um that's helpful for me as a stepping stone i think um yeah i think uh on a personal level, 
it was really, uh, I invited my parents to set for the first time, wow. um, which was really fun. So they came all the way from Edmonton to Hamilton, uh, Ontario, and they visited set. And it was nice for them, I think, to finally see a bit of what I do. I think I'm, my relationship with my parents, it's been strained in the past. I think I'm trying to like invite them into um, parts of my life in a controlled environment mm-hmm. um, just so that, you know, retaining boundaries. But um, it was really great to have them on set. And it was nice, you know, my, it was really funny because the camera guys were laughing when I called action in the background of my father, he like threw up his phone and he's like this doing like the Asian dad thing. He's like taking pictures and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really cute. Um, but uh, I think, um, yeah, on a personal level, it's kind of like parting the curtain for my family, kind of seeing more of what I do. Um, and uh, it's nice to kind of like close that gap with my parents that way. That's beautiful, man. Like it's, it's a st- I wouldn't say it's a story solely about them, but of course it's, it's pretty intimidating that they are literally seeing your portrayal of them as they're seeing you portray them. So how did that feeling take? Well, I mean, there's definitely some fiction there. Like we had a writer's yeah. room and the characters were built for, from everybody's experience. It is funny mm-hmm. though. Like the, when my mom met the, uh, actress jane luke who plays the mom she was like oh i'm playing you which is not true um but uh, i think yeah my my family's pretty indirect i think that they probably understand that there's elements of them in it um um but i think yeah the whole series is me indirectly talking to my parents and being like hey this is this is we, we gotta work stuff out but yeah. uh yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think in that way, it's, uh, yeah, still closing that distance between me and my parents in a nice way. Amazing. Um, one of the friends of this show, and I've also worked with her, uh, Ginny Wong, who was oh, yeah. in streams. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah. She just said how much fun she had on set. Also just how good everyone is and how, how um, inviting and, and just warm the whole set was. So it really does come from the top, you know, the, of course you being the creator and the director of all of this mm-hmm. to really steer the ship and to really make beautiful art, but at the same time, not at the cost of other people's like mental health and, and just being an ally to everyone. So even just from behind the scenes stuff, I know everyone felt really included in your whole project. So I, I can't wait to watch it one day. Yeah. Thank you. We did our best. We, it was definitely a struggle. Like we did not have enough money and we we're ambitious with what we shot, but I think we, we really did our best to just like check in with everybody and make sure everyone was okay and, and heard and seen. I love it. Um, I also just wanted to um, also ask you about your, like your prior influences too. So just going back to Japan, you mm-hmm. had mentioned that like watching Moonlight was a, like life-changing experience that for you. Can you go into how that movie really changed your trajectory into going to filmmaking? Yeah, I think, um, like I mentioned before, how I was really tired of seeing, I love movies and I love stories and that sort of thing, but I was tired of seeing the same story told over and over again. And just kind of like the more I 
got in touch with embracing my racial identity because I grew up mm-hmm. in Edmonton and Alberta and growing up. I was definitely ashamed of being Asian for many years, mm-hmm. um, but then I flipped the script and I was like, why the hell do I feel, why am I the one who has to like feel ashamed? Why don't white people have to deal with this kind of shame? Um, so I, it, during the time I was embracing being Asian and doing more reading into like, you know, struggles of black folks and people of color and civil rights and that sort of thing, um, my taste changed because I was like, I can't fully identify with white characters or or you know, these kind of struggles aren't really the struggles that I have to deal with from day to day. Mm-hmm. And when Moonlight came out, um, it blew my mind because it was deconstructing masculinity um, from the perspective of a person of color um, in such a beautiful way. And so it was definitely encouraging. I was like, whoa, this is the shit I want to make. Maybe there's a chance. Um, yeah. So seeing Moonlight was huge. And then watching a lot of Asian cinema mm-hmm. um, just because it's nice to see like not exotifying um, Asian folks or like aesthetic, but in particular Taiwanese uh, new wave cinema. It's just beautiful. It's just like people living their lives and yet they still get to be the heroes, right? They're yeah. important enough. They're compelling enough. Um, big inspirations. Yeah. Oh my God. Um which is also kind of cool at the same time, like drive my car, which is like a really slow burner, oh, yeah. like got nominated for best picture. I'm like, Whoa. That's it's so good. good. Have, have you guys seen it? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. Have you uh, Josh? I haven't yet either, but I'm pretty sure it's on like crave or, or um, maybe, maybe Netflix might've, might've been crave, but yeah. I mean, just along that, that same line, just seeing that drive my car from Japan, uh yeah I, I remember hearing a lot of like good critically claimed for a couple of taiwanese movies as well mm. as south korea you know always killing it it just yeah. seems like now there's a more openness to variety of asian cinema not like we're not mm. just you know one specific uh thematic uh aesthetic to our films where we are yeah. like a, a conglomerate of different asian societies and looking at your trailer as well it's interesting to just see different visual styles being incorporated into like a, mm. an Asian theme uh, plot. So like, I definitely got a lot of like Terrence Malick's like um, mm. kind of perspective in the camera. And then the flowing of the camera was very unique uh, when I saw, saw the trailer. So just seeing those kind of visual elements that we normally see in other films or maybe like North American uh, white audience specific films in an Asian film, I think is, mm. is already just, just kind of mind blowing in and of itself. Uh, just being able to see that, but the story, the plot is, you know, something we can relate to on a more um, emotional level. I'm wondering then uh, how often would you kind of try to take from visual cues from things that we're already familiar with and like apply it to um your projects or even uh, this series specifically? Mm-hmm. I think um, my uh, director of photography, Alan Liu, we shared a lot of first streams in particular. It's very much, um, yeah, family dramas from Asian cinema. So Hirokazu Koreeda's like shoplifters and stuff. Like he's, oh, so good. I'm still walking. And then Taiwanese New Wave, like uh, Edward Yang, Yi Yi, um, and what else? Um, South Korea, there's like an amazing indie movie called Moving On. 
that was just a couple of years ago, female director. Um, but uh, these kind of films, they have a very like restrained, very um, like it's kind of like art house. It's mostly a budget thing because it's like, you know, you don't have 50 cameras to get all the coverage. Um, but, you know, you you set up the frame, you paint a beautiful, or you, you do some really good blocking and lighting, and then you can tell the whole scene from one shot, you know? And uh, we're trying to go for a minimal, simple look. Um, not just to follow the aesthetic of Asian cinema, um, but also to, I guess, let the actors and the, the characters breathe. Um, mm. Just to, um, the the conflict is quiet sometimes. I think, yeah, that's something that Asian stories, Asian diasporic storytellers have struggled with a lot. It's like, you know, you always get that note. It's like, oh, your protagonist isn't... Um, active enough or like they're kind of boring or they don't say very much but like Asian people we work through a shit ton of stuff inside like it's tons and tons of emotions right um that's just like cultural and how we're raised and so in that way we're trying to reflect that in in how we shot it and you know how long we would hold uh on a character um Mm -hmm. sometimes tv can be very like okay, you say your line, the camera's on you. You say your line, the camera's on you. But, you know, you let the camera linger on someone a little longer just to be like, what are they thinking after they said that? You know, what's mm-hmm. the, what are they, what, what's the emotion that they're really feeling, even though they say something else? Okay. Oh, man. It's always that internal monologue that is so present in, in, the, un, in the non-speaking parts when you actually get a mm-hmm. great reaction shot to something that is that is said but there's so many undertones underneath and i can't wait to see what you capture man because it, it does sound like great writing was involved there too um I, I just almost want to wrap it up there but you you did say within two years chris we're gonna hold you to that man within two <laughs> years there of course you just came back from banff um and i'm sure you have other festivals lined up later this summer and everything like that uh, are you right now in pitching mode for for distribution right now, or are you? Uh, yeah, what are the next steps for streams right now, and hopefully when can we catch it? Yeah, so streams we are with Super Channel coming out in the fall, but nice. at the same time we're going to do some festival runs um, just to try to get it out there internationally and try to get more people to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, send it to South by, and even Khan has. Um, uh, shorts category which is crazy um so trying to you know get it out as much as we can and um yeah for Fishboy as well like trying to get that into sundance mm-hmm. uh it's gonna be a busy summer like both of them are gonna finish editing end of august and then sending out to film festivals wow. for the next you know half year and uh yeah keeping busy eventually i'll have to like jump back into writers rooms to keep the lights on because rent in Toronto is crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, probably in the fall, maybe I'll go home to visit in the fall too, because it's been a long time, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Those are the plans. Two years. I think it's possible. Um, I'm a Capricorn. So I make like two year, five year, 10 year plan kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, all the power to all the Capricorns and make that timeline. Let's make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Let's give it up for Chris, man. This was incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my God. Yeah, great conversation. Stop. Great conversation. Yeah. Thank you. 
Um, I'm stoked to see where you guys go too. I'm rooting you. I'm rooting for you. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two years. Two years. We'll probably still be. We could probably still be doing this podcast. So you know, two years. We'll we'll hold you to it. Have you back on to the to the podcast and see see what's happened in uh, two years, if not sooner, if not sooner. You know? Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Um, yeah, by then your agent would be like, uh, no, I need to speak to them before, uh, before Lucas DMs you. So <laughs> by then, maybe we'll all be in LA and we'll all be hanging out with like uh, Rich Brian at like the 88 Rising House or something. Who knows? Yeah, Rich Joji. Brian. <laughs> Joji, man. I love that group, man. Good yeah. people. There. I was trying to get tickets in Toronto. It's like 250 bucks a pop. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Especially compared like, to the the time, the last time they came before the latest time. Like yeah. before then is like not as big. Like I think yeah. it was a smaller venue, but now yeah. this time it's like blew up. It's next over. time, next time is a like good luck. Like good yeah. luck trying to get get some tickets for that. I'll watch the stream. I'll listen to I'll watch Twitter as people who are there tweet about it and it's like oh okay cool nice nice yeah. Jody, honestly though Jody is meant to be listened to like in the dark alone in your bedroom anyways so mm. you know yeah dancing alone man dancing alone <laughs> um yeah yeah screw OVO fast man whatever you got 88 rising fast <laughs> yeah easy that's what's up uh, okay, so for season three, we mix it up a bit. So I know Chris did his homework. He said, you guys do wood association at the very end, right? We're like, Please. I kind of wish we, we did it now. Yes, but um, yeah, but uh, for season three, what, what we do for Josh and I, we do a mm-hmm. would you rather to our guests. So Josh mm-hmm. has one question. I have one question. And then we'll see where it takes us with Chris here answering the would you rather. Do you want to go first, Josh? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So uh, my would you rather question uh, is going to be focused kind of on your art and uh, the projects you've been working on. So would you rather uh, your art be more in connected with um, audiences of our generation or would you rather your art connect more with audiences of our parents' generation? So like which generation would you like to like watch your work and then get the most out of mess like the message or the visuals like the catharsis mm, yeah well i mean very quickly i think that our parents generation needs more catharsis because they like <laughs> you know yeah. you see that tweet that tweet that was like you know people of our parents generation they're like oh my god you say that she went to therapy and then like millennials are like today i talked to my therapist about you know yeah (laughs) but i think that uh, it's funny like everything everywhere is such an amazing movie Um, but my parents saw the commercial and they're like it's just so wild like it's so crazy like i don't know if we can watch it and i know like even michelle yo right she was like i love this script but like when we were shooting the butt plug scene like it was just so much and i was like i get that it's like very you know you know your Asian parents when they see that kind of stuff, they're just like. Um, so I think like streams in particular is more for the, uh, it's it's more like church auntie safe, so maybe they can get something uh, from it that they would be uh, maybe kind of turned off by everything everywhere. Um, I would like both though. I'm greedy. It would be okay. nice to connect with both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. 
<laughs> oh man now now that i know you're greedy i'm not sure how you're gonna answer this yeah would you rather is a mistake for me yeah. <laughs> i want both okay <laughs> all right would you rather be feared by all or loved by all definitely loved um because uh fear is no way to lead or to connect with people like i grew up in a very you know i grew up with the fear of god um, yeah. i work in the industry where people put the fear of god in other people um yeah the film industry can be very much like it's like sports right like where people who have you know veterans they treat uh, newbies and like um you know just like beginners like shit and just toughen them up like kind of negative reinforcement and um mm-hmm. I really hope that we can like break that cycle with our generation. I, um, we don't have to treat people poorly anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like more empathy, more kindness. Um, yeah. I think it's possible. Um, it, it's going to take a lot of work and it takes a lot of emotional labor. Um, but uh, definitely loved. Yeah. I love how you stuck to one, man. It's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. It's the best. No, it dropped my pen. Sorry. No, it, it is true though. It's uh, this industry is at times incredibly punitive. And uh, if you're at the bottom rung of a lot of things, it's, you can get shit on a whole lot harder and it at times could be abusive. So just mm-hmm. be the change you, you want to see. And I, and I really appreciate you saying that because we are that generation now that's going into the industry as as not the assistants anymore. We are the directors. We are the creators. We are the producers now. So mm-hmm. it's up to us to to have that same mentality because it does trickle down. So I, I love that you said that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. You too, Josh. You don't treat the guys who get you water at shows badly, okay? Oh, I, I, I like to think that society is best off in a benevolent dictatorship is my, <laughs> yes. is my idea. It's like, you know, yes. if the dictator is a, just a good guy, I mean, let's keep him, uh, yeah. you know, but so, uh, yeah, no, you so just in general, be, be you're the guy. You're the reason that Doug Ford was uh, elected again this year in Toronto. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> oh, it's fine. Let's no, I, I mean, I feel like benevolent dictatorship would have to be like, you know, either taken power or through like uh, the son of a dictator who's, you know, hates their, their father or mother and just, and how they were so that they'll just be good because of it. Yeah. Uh, but like uh, Doug Ford, I mean, just politically, it's already established within the parties and stuff. So. Anyways. Yes. Yeah. Jealous of you, Lucas moving to <laughs> Vancouver. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Come through anytime, man. Anytime. I live in an urban two bed. I'll explain what that means off camera. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get off for Chris one more time. This is incredible. Thank you so much for coming on, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, Chris, where can people find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at, uh, at Christopher S. Yip and Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, find me on Facebook too. Why not? Wicked, wicked. And uh, w- when it does come available and everything like that, uh, where can people find your work and all that stuff too? It's It should be on Super Channel in the fall, but that's mm. still pending. Um, cool. You know, fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. Yeah. We find it on Netflix or something, but we'll see. 
Yeah, there we are. There we are, Chris. Uh, Josh, where people find you? Uh, you can find me at Josh Yang, Josh Young, Y A N G, uh, comedy uh, at Gmail. At Gmail, <laughs> why did I give? Why did I give out the email? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You, that, that's also that's also part of it. You can do that at gmail.com as well if you want to just email me. But um, handle wise, at Josh Young Comedy across all social media. <laughs> And then you could also listen to the Sleep with Josh oh. podcast that's still there. No new episodes of late, but it's there's 50 episodes up there. So, you know, you could listen to that and help you go to sleep. Uh, and that's it. So, Lucas, what are your handles? People can find me at lucas.john.ng at gmail.com. And uh, if you... <laughs> And I gotta console myself. Hold on, holy shit! No, how could how could we not want to listen to your podcast when you're you're such a fight? Like yeah, at gmail.com. Well played. <laughs> My inbox is lonely. I guess it's, I just saw it the other day. It's like, why am I not getting any emails? Oh my god! Um, if you like what you see and hear, you can listen to us on Spotify, Google Play, and uh, Apple Podcasts at HWMIY Podcast. Also, find us on YouTube for all the good video that we have here in our three square panel stuff yeah man all right i I think i got everything right this time yeah okay cool we'll see you all this time in two weeks okay bye bye